Company of One, episode number 33. Welcome. This is Dale Callahan, and I am your host here. Today, we're going to bring you an interview with uh, someone who has left corporate America. I know that many of the listeners here, you've talked to me, you've sent me emails, and we've, uh, you know, concluded, I think, for many of us that. Uh, not necessarily leaving corporate America, but finding corporate options, finding entrepreneurial activities. And so many people have questions and fears about how to break away or how to even start something on the side. Uh, how do you go about uh, managing a relationship with an employer while you break away and doing so ethically and responsibly so that you don't damage all, your, all of your relationships? We got into all of these with... Um, the interview that I'm going to be doing here with Markin. I'm not even going to pronounce his last name, Kavinsky. I'm, well, maybe I am. Um, Markin Kavinsky, and that's butchered. He will correct me, but he is he's in Poland. He and I met um, through Platform University where I had been asking some questions. This, and Platform University is a forum uh, run primarily by Michael Hyatt, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people communicate. Most of the people are business owners. Well, I guess everyone on there is a business owner um, in, in certain fields. And that doesn't matter right now. But I had asked a question and Markin uh, had jo- reached out to me and, and, um, and we got together over Skype because he lives in Poland. He's somewhere near Warsaw, Poland. And we got together over Skype to kind of discuss some issues. He's doing some things similar. He helps a lot of people. Uh, find their passions, find their calling, uh, but in the European area. Uh, I mean, it's very interesting to see, and you know, we, we think so much about what happens here in the United States, and we don't sometimes realize that it's the same thing everywhere, um, and you'll hear some of that. He actually uh, was working for Microsoft uh, up until not too long ago, and we'll talk some about that. So it's a really interesting show. Um, I, I think you'll find some of his insights uh, interesting and uh, it, it just as relevant here in the United States as they are there. It's just the same stuff. But here's a guy who broke away and he talks about the process of breaking away and what does that look like? You know, how do you start leaving a company? And some of his advice. Uh, for us that may be thinking about leaving, maybe thinking about some, finding some options. So that's coming up. And I can't wait also for next week on the, which would probably be podcast episode number 34, um, that will be coming up. We'll be interviewing um, Cliff Ravenscraft. Um, well, actually, I've already interviewed Cliff Ravenscraft, but we should have the audio ready and everything where Cliff and I caught up at a conference. Um, something I'd prearranged and talked. And Cliff, if you don't know him, is the Podcast Answer Man at podcastanswerman.com. Probably one of the biggest influencers in the podcast industry that there is. Uh, So that's that's going to be a great interview. And the the prevalence of that, uh, I mean, the, the purpose of that interview was very much like what we're doing with Mark and is how did you break away? What happened that caused you to uh, leave the corporate world, leave what you were doing, and pursue your passion. So, I mean, I hope these stories, um, while providing you some information, encourage you. 
I mean, really, that's what this is, that things are possible. I understand fears. I understand concerns. I understand feeling like you don't know how anything that you, you'll, you'll uh, as Pam Slim says in her book, uh, Escape from Cubicle Nation, your fear of I'm going to be living in a van down by the river. Uh, some of, to some of you, some people have told me that's an appealing issue, but uh, to most of us, that sounds like a destitute issue. Um, those fears are real. Those concerns are real. When you're looking at what are my options for my job, can I start a company? Can I start a company on the side? Can I make enough money to survive? Uh, what do I do? So I'm going to be doing as many interviews as I can, as we can get in schedule. Uh, fortunately, we've got Mark in here, and we've got a couple of past interviews, of course, with uh, some some people in past sessions. But with Mark in, and then Cliff, and there's uh, several others that I ran into that have some really interesting stories. Uh, so but that, with that, though, I want to get you straight into the interview with Markin. All right, and I want to welcome to the call today, I'm, and I'm going to butcher his name, and then I'm going to let him correct his name for me. But it's, uh, I actually met, uh, and it's Markin Kvinsky. Is uh and I and I, I'm going to let him correct that and give you that and he's coming to us today from uh, close to Warsaw and I'll give let him give you the d- details in Poland, and I have met him through Platform University, a group that both of us are part of, and uh, so welcome to the call today. Uh, uh, tell it first of all. Since I'm terrible, I'm, I'm I'm barely good enough for the English language, and you start adding yours in. <laughs> So tell it what what's the correct pronunciation? Okay, hello Dale, uh, good to meet you. Uh, the correct pronunciation is Marcin Kwieciński, but I know it's uh, terrible in English. <laughs> well, I'm I've been practicing, so I'm getting closer than what I was when when he when uh, when you and I first talked uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes. Um, and, and you know, it was kind of you reached out to me uh, based upon a question I had posted to the platform group, and you kind of reached out. And a lot of my question was on clarity, if I remember that correct. Yeah. Uh, well, which actually, what you what what you and I talked about was very helpful. Uh, I wish I could say it solved all the problems, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I did want to, and and what I had what I had told. Um, for the rest of you, what I told Marchkin is that I wanted to interview him because his story of how he got started is so much as I as as I talked to uh, so many people and I spoke to a group uh, a couple, uh, last week uh, in Tampa, Florida, and and there was about a hundred and something people there, and several people came up to me afterwards and just this desire to get out of corporate America, and that may be the wrong. That, that may not be exactly what they want, but they're looking for something more, and, and you've done that. Uh, so I kind of wanted if you if you tell people what were you doing before, and what are you doing now? What now? Because you're you're a self-employed guy now. Uh, well, yes, uh, I spent almost ten years in the corporate world. Uh, first of all, uh, I work for a French uh, corporation called Nextera One is an IT telecommunicator. I worked on behalf of them uh, as a business consultant. I consulted customers uh, on how to improve their processes in the area of customer service. Uh, 
And then I joined to Microsoft uh, Corporation. Uh, I worked uh, on their behalf as a, again as a business consultant. So again, I, I work for for the biggest uh, companies in the world as a as a business consultant. I reconstructed uh, the processes. I supported uh, these customers how to efficiency uh, use the technology and support the business processes. And then I became manager in uh, Microsoft. Ah, so this is my story in corporate world. Now, when when you were in micro, when you were you always in Poland the whole time, or were you in different places? Actually, I was based in Poland. However, as a business consultant, I work in the whole Europe, so I okay. delivered projects uh, around the Europe. And that, that that was true for Microsoft too. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So how how long were you with Microsoft? Uh, I spent there almost four years. Okay, uh, quite a lot, I think. Uh, and after hours, I, I started to think, what could I do uh, with my productivity knowledge? Because uh, meantime, I I was looking for um, for the solution how to improve my own produ- productivity. Because when you uh, when you are working on many projects uh, in different countries, you need to be pro- productive uh, to make things make things happen. Uh, so I I started to look for a solutions for myself, and then uh, I started to share it with my colleagues and with students, and I find out that it is very important for for a lot of people. So after hours, I I, I thought, okay, so what can I do with it? Should I start a blog or should I do something with it? Maybe some kind of trainings, uh, maybe uh, some kind of consultancy. And uh, one time uh, I get a call that uh, there was a customer who wanted to work with me on the productivity area uh, to deliver them a training, not as a Microsoft consultant, but as uh, myself. It gave me it gave me a clue that uh, Maybe it's even uh, maybe my, my knowledge is even important for 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 others, and they, maybe they want to pay for it. So, so it created uh, a great opportunity to consider. Now, now you were at Microsoft. Now that's very interesting. That what you just mm-hmm. said. You were at Microsoft at the time. You're, you're exploring productivity for your own needs. Yes. Because uh, gee, kid, don't we all need that? And uh, it, and uh, and it seems like everybody suffers that area. It, but what? Somebody just picks up the phone and calls you. I mean, now it's obviously somebody you've worked with and you've had discussions with, and say, hey, "Can you come train our staff?" Mm. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's a great question, Dave, because uh, uh, this is the situation when your integrity and loyalty is tested. In fact, uh, because uh, as a Microsoft employee uh, or any corporate employee. You always need to care for the interest of your employer, not for yourself. So that, yeah. that's the first thing. I spent almost half a year to get all necessary approvals that I can do something like that, because uh, I care. Uh, because for me, it was the most important thing was uh, to be absolutely transparent to my employer, and to do uh, and not to do anything that could, you know, uh, break any legal. Um, legal terms or uh, uh, do something that could be uh, treated as uh, unloyalty. So, so I secured it. Uh, as I, I spent a lot of time to secure the situation. Uh, lucky, 
in a corporation like Microsoft, but probably in most of the corporate world, there is policy for everything. So I found uh, the correct documents, I found the correct people inside the company, uh, and I, I contacted them, I described the situation, uh, and it took almost half year, half a year, but <laughs> after half a year, I get the permission that I can do productivity trainings uh, for the external customers because it was not evaluating any IP rights and it was not evaluating, uh, it was not, uh, you know, co competing with Microsoft business. Now, that's, that's interesting. I mean, well, I got two questions to follow up on that. And, and the number one is, I mean, before you get to the Microsoft issue, which is obviously a... a, a um, transparency issue as you said what is it what what is it what is it uh, I'm sorry uh, could you repeat please okay well I, I was going to ask what is it that caused the client the person that called you did you already have a relationship with them as part of your Microsoft role I mean uh, they, no. they, they didn't just look you up in the uh, on the internet and look up productivity and find your name you know it's so, so you must have had some reason they called you. Uh, actually, you know, it's it's uh, it's funny thing because uh, that time I didn't have any blog or or didn't have any uh, didn't post any information about uh, my productivity interest. Uh, but from time to time, I uh, delivered a training for Microsoft employees. So inside the company, so uh, because uh, I shared my knowledge with other uh, colleagues how to work more efficiently and uh, more efficient and it became quite popular uh, by the way and sometimes I was sharing my knowledge with students as part of, of my uh, voluntary work so during the weekends I I delivered some trainings uh, for, for young people how to work in the corporate world so uh, probably those two type of uh, those two type of events created some kind of uh, word of mouth, and the person who called me, I never met this person before. She uh, she heard about me from the market. Got you. So, so I mean, so so essentially, what you were doing, even while you were working for Microsoft, you were your expertise was showing. I mean, everybody yes. could tell that you were an expert in productivity or you were interested in, and you're doing it in a volunteer. Uh, I mean, that's one thing I, I hear from so many people is how do you get started? But you just got started. You weren't really asking for permission. You, you were doing it anyway. Exactly. I, I was just, you know, sharing what I know. And I find out that the area of productivity and how to improve your work and how to work smarter, how to spend you know less time in work doing the same goals, uh, was interesting for many for many people. Okay, now let me let me hit you on the big issue because this, I, I hear I, I, most people I work with are corporate people. Mm -hmm. uh, when when it comes up, I want to do something. I, I find two. Two things happen. Either people get really freaked out. Hey, I'm going to do something inside the company, but I'm going to hide it, which I think can be set up for disaster. Uh, or I'm not going to do anything at all because my company won't allow it. Even though, you know, you, you know, from the outsider, I can see there's there's absolutely no correlation. You know, but people get really, mm -hmm. really, they're they're afraid to ask. You know, and, and many of them yes. are working for large corporations. Did you find the experience 
when you started, you know, I mean, I guess you started with your immediate supervisor, your immediate manager. Um, mm-hmm. Did you find people offended when you started uh, to ask about this? It's a great question because uh, I find it myself quite a lot uh, while talking with, with other people with uh, working in the corporate world. Uh, actually, I think it starts, everything starts a little bit earlier before you have an idea uh, to, to do something uh, after hours because it starts with your relationship with your supervisor. If you spend uh, intentional time on building relationship with your, uh, with your direct manager, uh, it creates so much space for a discussion even on your business after hours. Uh, if you don't invest your time in building such open relationship with your manager, uh, probably when, when the idea comes up or the opportunity will show, uh, show on, uh, you, you will not have a chance to discuss this case with your manager. And I absolutely agree with you because uh, hiding your business after hours is a short way for disaster. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it bites you in so many ways. So, so I mean, you started with so when the so you had a relationship. Obviously, you're you're open and you're probably asking for advice and just normal day to day stuff. Uh, so, so so obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna just you know characterize it as your friend friends, maybe not after hour friends, but your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you first brought it up, hey, I've been asked to do this course. Uh, we'll, I'm guessing that was a, you know, how was that, what was the response? I, actually, I have to say it was quite positive. Okay. Uh, we, we, we had a good relationship uh, with my manager. We had a trust relationship. So uh, he knew uh, what are my values, what is my integrity. So, so it was another topic to discussion. The same like uh, talking about, you know, development process. Uh, the the strategic uh, strategic goals we discussed. Uh, so it was another topic to, to talk on, and uh, I, I put it on the table. Of course, uh, I had some afraid that it could be met with, you know, uh, uh, with some distance, or even uh, it will be uh, perceived as some kind of uh, not good thing. But uh, the discussion was very positive, and my manager spent a lot of time with me how to find the correct way to to get the necessary approvals. Okay, as you moved it up the line, I mean, because obviously, you know, there, you, you know, like you said, and I love what you said. In every larger organization, there's a policy for everything because obviously you were not the first person in Microsoft to step up and have this issue. Exactly. So, the, so the corporation has a policy. Uh, so as you moved it up the line to, you know, you start filling out the paperwork or whatever you did, uh, did you find resistance at any point? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't focus on it because even if there was some kind of resistance, probably it, it was because uh, it's not a typical situation uh, that you, you want to do something after hours. Uh, I rather focus how to convince this person, how to get the approval. So I discussed uh, what is my point of view, what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I, I prepared a lot uh, on the area of competition. I checked myself probably 10, 
10 times that if I'm not going to compete with any part of, uh, of my full-time job. So, so I, I, I spend a lot of time on preparation. And when I was prepared, I just follow the policy and, uh, and try to get all necessary uh, approvals. It's not so difficult as it sounds. Yeah. Uh, it only takes time because you need to ask on so many levels and so many people need to, you know, uh, consider your uh, consider your documents and check and then give the approvals. It, like, it takes time, but it's not so difficult. I mean, there's a, there was a possibility, I guess, that Microsoft, you know, as you start going through this process and, and talking about it, Microsoft could have come up and said, you know, we have a division that does corporate training. And, you know, uh, why don't you do it under Microsoft? I mean, that, that, you know, and that would, I'm guessing that would have been okay with you. Uh, you know, uh, there, there is always chance of deny. So probably someone could say, you can do it. And uh, I would have then a, a case for consideration. Should I stay on a full-time job or uh, should I start on my own, uh, own business? But luckily it didn't happen. And uh, I think it is really important case to secure uh, the interest of your employer because why when you are working as a full-time employee for any kind of organization, the small or the huge one, uh, the first of all you need to deliver is a loyalty uh, because they are paying you for for your loyalty, loyalty for your time and for getting results for them first of all. And if you are considering your own business or uh, some business activities after hours, uh, the first thing you need is to you need to do is to make it safe for each side for your for yourself and for the company. Okay, that's great. And well, t- well tell me then from there. I mean, so so obviously you took this job, you took this consulting mm-hmm. gig, um, yeah. and I'm guessing you didn't walk in the next day and just quit Microsoft. Uh, I mean, so it, sa- it sounds to me like for a while you did a little of both. Is that did you do more training on the side, or? Uh, actually, it was uh, accidental. The, the job after hours was quite accidental. I, I trained few customers. Uh, I it rather gave me another perspective that maybe I know something that could be valuable for uh, for other customers, uh, and it broadened my horizons okay. and gave me possibility to check to check. If it's valuable for others, I check it after hours, and then uh, it came uh, it came to my mind that uh, I need to consider what I'm going to do next in my career. So when uh, when I had when I was preparing my uh, discussion about my uh, career development, I have more option to consider. It was not only connected to work for a corporate, but I also know that it's something I can do uh, as a freelancer of a solo. Pro- uh, so, so, so I needed to check the priorities and think what is most important for me. So, so what? Okay, so, so I mean, obviously you liked doing that. Um, what, what caused the train? I mean, because at some point in time you said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make a transition, and I'm going to go it alone, mm-hmm. start my own company. I guess start my own business. You know, wh- yeah. what caused that? I mean. Uh, actually, there was there was there were two, few factors uh, that triggered uh, the transition. The first was uh, that I get in the point of my career that I need to that I needed to change something because I uh, I get experience in my role 
and I, f I was looking for new challenges. Uh, so I was uh, in the process of finding the, the new position for myself. The second uh, was on the private, uh, in, the, in my private life, uh, after hours life, because uh, it was a time that I get engaged and was preparing for my wedding. Uh, so I knew that if I want to make any radical movement, I need to do it now because uh, in short time I, I will have family and my uh, ability to take risks uh, will be lower. Uh, so, and and the third factor, I knew that my skills are quite valuable on the market. So I was rather sure that even if something will go wrong, uh, I I always can get back uh, to the corporate. Board. I, I didn't know if it, if I could back uh, to Microsoft, but I could back to any uh, any huge organization that would buy my skills. So, uh, so taking taking a, a look from this perspective, uh, it was it was not so dangerous as it, as it could sound. So, <laughs> so there is always there, there are always risks. There are always uh, you know opportunities, and you need. To, to consider all, all the aspects and I, I thought it, is, it was a good time to, to consider this option and to start something on my own. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I love those reasons, but the, I mean, obviously the private issue, you know, the, the kind of what's going on in my personal life, it, but it's that need to change something and, and I work with so many people that have been doing the same thing for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. They had, you know, and, and it's like, isn't there a point in your career or your work, you know, even within Microsoft, Microsoft's a huge company, you know, that you could look up and say, I want to go to this department. You know, I want to do something different. Uh, and I know you work with a lot of clients now. Um, mm -hmm. Do you find, I mean, it seems like there's two kinds of people. There's, well, there's those people, I think we all feel the need for change. And then there's some of us that take action on it. I go looking for something, and then there's other ones that sit there and wait on change to happen, which it rarely happens the way you want. Do you? I mean, you're you're across the big pond. You're over there in Europe. Is it any? And you've uh, you've spent a good bit of time here in the United States, as I remember, right? Yeah. At least back and forth. Is it any different? Are people any different? Did you find uh, that people are hesitant to make moves? You know, I think that. It's always uh, all around the world. Uh, all around the world, the same. There are people who want to feel really safe, and they are focusing on you know spending whole time in uh, in one position, which is absolutely uh, unsafe approach. Uh, because especially when you are working in a huge uh, in a huge organization, you need to change something after each uh, two or three years. Because the processes, the HR processes in huge uh, organizations are developed in this way. Uh, they need to motivate you to uh, make some move. So if you are staying in one position for, let's say, five or six or even ten years, uh, you are a great candidate to, to leave the company. So it's not safe to stay in, in the one position in huge organization. Uh, of course, uh, the change causes some kind of fear. And uh, there are some people who want to take uh, the risk of uh, of change, and some people just wait for uh, for a trigger. So my approach is, I don't want to wait for an external trigger. I, I rather want to take uh, take my life in my hands and and just pursue uh, what is best 
opportunity for uh, for myself. Well, isn't that true? So, I mean, something's going to happen, whether you exactly. cause it or not. Yeah, and that's a uh, uh, exactly. Now, that's uh, a very interesting point that you say, and I don't. I, you know, I, I deal with a lot of HRP. I've never heard anybody say that. That if I've been doing something in a large corporation for five, ten years and doing the same thing. There's a risk that I'm just sitting there biding my time waiting waiting to leave the corporation because they're not keeping me interested. Uh, I just love the quote from Seth Goodin probably. Uh, if, and he was asking, do you have uh, uh, 10 years of experience of one year of uh, experience 10 times? <laughs> that is a great quote, yes. Because that's exactly what a lot of people are actually doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not really a lot of experience. Well, uh, all right. Let me let me ask you. I mean, because I know we're about out of time here. But what is it? Um, you know, if, if I you work with a lot of individuals, you, you're obviously most of the people I work with are in some technology sector. Mm-hmm. Um, they're you know some of them are very modern. Obviously, you know, do, dealing with modern technologies, and then of course we deal with a lot of people that are working on mainframes and COBOL. You know, even mm-hmm. that are that are you know uh, somewhat, at least theoretically, somewhat being antiquated. But they're looking at making moves. They would like to do you know making a leap to do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice would you? I and mean, you get asked these questions. What advice do you give to these people? Uh, you know, especially in IT, uh, we are in. Uh, I, I think we are in privileged sector. We are working in privileged sector because uh, IT. Uh, the change in IT is by default. We constantly need to develop new skills, uh, new expertise, because there are new releases of the software, new releases of the technology, and year after year, uh, it's uh, going to be more quickly. So we we, we are by default prepared for change. Of course, we have a, a unreal desire uh, to stay in one technology, in one uh, one skill, in uh, in one area of expertise. But it's unrealistic. If you are, if you want to work in IT environment, you need to get accustomed to the change, and you need motivate yourself to acquire new skills and uh, and acquire new competences and new relationships. And if you are looking for for making a good transition. I really, uh, I would really recommend to focus not only on the technical background and technical skills, but also on the soft skills and uh, and for, uh, business relationships you you, you have, because uh, the the more experienced in your career you are, uh, the more necessary are your business relationships with people. Boy, that's that's something that we in the technology world want to leave behind. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, especially the the head down programmer or the person who's you know very focused on the, working on the box. You know, they're uh, and I was that person. You know, they, you know, I don't really want to have to deal with people because they're, mm-hmm. they're, the machine is so much easier to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But but you know, the, all money flows by people. You know. Uh, exactly, a, a, and, and a database the, doesn't cut a check. <laughs> exactly, and at the end of the day, you need to consider someone—not a computer, but someone in person—that you are the best candidate for for the job. And if you get, if you want to 
uh, get new contracts and if you want even working for full time as a programmer if you want to have a interesting projects you need to have a relationship with people who are starting the projects and uh, with people who can get you on the team and the people who can trust you you have the skills so your business relationships are crucial in this process because if you if you don't have the correct business relationships you are just getting the most boring job you can have as a uh, as a technical employee. Yeah, you're pretty much stuck. Yeah, you're not going to exactly. move. Yeah, and until until that database gets uh, outdated, you're there, and then and then you're expendable. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Especially nowadays when personal branding is so much important in your uh, career development, because. Uh, even in the huge organization, you need to create your own uh, your 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 own image of a professional uh, to get acquired to the organization. Because uh, even in the IT, uh, where the where, where there is uh, quite a lot of uh, vacancies and uh, and uh, job proposals, uh, it's still limited. Job is still limited resource. And the better personal brand you have, the the the, the bigger choice you have. Boy, absolutely. That's just something I was never taught in technology school. I don't know about you, but yes, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, here here's how to work on the boxes, and here's all the theory. But that's something that that's something I learned the hard way, um, exactly. or I guess I'm learning the hard way. I shouldn't say I've learned. So, uh, but I know, I know we've kind of caught you between some phone calls and some things that you're doing, and, and I appreciate your time. It was just fun. I mean, it's just so much fun to hear people that's different stories. And, and, and you know, I mean, you know, you've, you, especially Americans, we always think that it's different somewhere else, you know, and, and the, mm-hmm. the corporate world, the grass is always greener on the other side, you know, yes. that, the, and as I work with people, um, you know, we deal with a lot of people from India, you know, that, um, it's not it's not any different the corporate world is the corporate world and it's um, it's kind of what you make of it as opposed to sitting there and let it happen to you and you've done it from both sides you've done it even within it sounds like within the corporations you created a brand and relationships mm-hmm. yeah moreover Microsoft is still my customer which I'm really proud of because uh, even when I left they, they still want to cooperate with me and I want to cooperate with them so uh, I, it was great deal and great opportunity now you say you say Microsoft still your customer is the are the people that you directly worked for in Microsoft are you do you still interface with them uh, not exactly I'm rather working with different parts of organizations okay. uh, but I among others, I, I, I train Microsoft employees how to be more productive. Okay. So you left in great terms. Yes. Yeah, yes which is was, always was, a good thing to do. <laughs> okay. It was not easy, but it was worth to do it. Okay. Well, great. Any, any particular challenges that you got? Anything anything from the from our side? Anything that the, the audience here could help you with? Or, uh, you know, uh, first... first First of all, thank you for having me uh, on your podcast. It was really uh, a pleasure to share my uh, experience with, with others, if it's valuable for, for any others. Uh, I I would like just to invite you to my blog, but it's in Polish uh, currently, so I, I, I don't know if you find it uh, 
interesting, but of course I, I invited you to take a look for <laughs> my blog and use Google Translator to, to check the content of the blog. Well, I will put a link, and I put a link in it the last time when I mentioned right. you. I think I sent that to you and put it, you know, my, my editor said, hey, you know, this blog is not in English. So I put it in a little parentheses. <laughs> this is in Polish. So, yeah. uh, so I will do that because, you know, you never know. Um, but thank you so much for being here um, uh, and being with us and um, for, for, for spending your time. Thank you, Dave. It was really a pleasure. All right, let me record. Thank you so much for joining us for this interview with Markin. And uh, I thank you, Markin, again for just his time out. I mean, obviously, as we were dancing this thing around trying to get it, we were in uh, drastically different time zones. And uh, that was, became an issue because I can't tell time. And uh, oddly enough, we were talking before the call that uh, we, we both went into uh, uh, changing of the summertime time zone or the daylight savings time whatever you want to call it and uh, Poland and uh, some of the European countries had just changed that I actually didn't know they did that um, so they had uh, been changing so anyway we got kind of caught in basically being an hour off and we had to adjust at the last minute there and I apologize I did not realize until the very end uh, that the microphone that I was using really sounded like I was in a tin can talking so we um We'll get that fixed in future episodes. But thank you so much for joining us. Again, Cliff Ravenscraft, uh, Podcast Answer Man, should be on the next podcast, an interview with him. And it's uh, sitting down talking about how his work is his ministry and how he stepped out of a corporate situation uh, and uh, moved into something where he... As he said uh, when I first got down to him, what do you know? T- tell me what you do, and he says, absolutely anything I want all day long. Uh, now that doesn't sound like if you know anything about podcast answer man and Cliff Ravenscraft, you know he's a very uh, hard worker, very motivated, very driven, uh, and I think. Uh, I mean, you, you want to talk about wow? I mean, it was a great interview, so I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, thank uh, thank you for marking for this one. I will be um, speaking in a couple of things coming up, and if you're going to be, I'm, I'm going to be in Nashville twice in the next couple of weeks um, on the 14th, which is this week. Um, I will be in Nashville speaking at the AITP meeting for the November meeting. Uh, that's Thursday night, uh, speaking the 15th the next day for a UAB leadership uh, for our university, some of our uh, up-and-coming leaders. On the 21st, uh, that's November 21st, I will be at the uh, in Montgomery, Alabama at the Public Employees Safety Council Conference. And uh, on then December the 3rd, I will be uh, with Nashville PMI meeting for their December meeting in Brentwood, Tennessee, or Nashville area. So uh, those are just some events that we have coming up. If you are at any of those events, and you're, uh, if you would uh, please come up and let me know that you listen to the podcast and join in with us. But thank you so much for the time today. If you have any feedback for me, you can go and listen, uh, mention, or <laughs> leave me a voicemail on on the uh, website at dellcallahan.com. And you can find, of course, the show notes to this at um, 
dellcallahan.com and it will be episode number 33 or dellcallahan.com slash 33. So wishing you all a wonderful rest of the week and uh, hey, let's go make something happen.